Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Great to be back as we are every Thursday with fresh content right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And I'm going to shut up right away and, and just dive into it, Jonesy, because we've got a special guest waiting for us right now. I know I haven't had a chance to speak to him in a long time. Like, I'm talking probably, 50, well, maybe not 15, 20 years uh, and I know you go back with them uh, even more so as well, Jonesy. We are pleased to bring into the conversation former Raptor point guard. Yes, other stops in the league, but former Raptor point guard, Chris Childs. Chris, great to catch up with you. And uh, first, I'm sure a lot of people want to know what, what Chris Childs is up to right now. Uh, a lot of different things. Uh, still uh, playing a lot of golf uh, during my spare time, but... Uh, when my nose is to the grind, uh, something that has always been dear to me, and I think I mentioned it in an interview back in, shoot, it seemed like forever, 2001 when I was uh, a Raptor, always had a fondness of working with children. And, you know, still doing that, mentoring young fatherless men, giving them hope, uh, giving them an avenue to succeed in life, um, still working with the homeless, uh, which is big here in Jacksonville and all over the world, uh, try to give back to them and, you know, hear their story, find their story, uh, give them hope, give them uh, another outlet, give them a voice uh, that they're not alone. And uh, coming up uh, next year, myself and a friend of mine, we're going to start working with the prison reform to get some of these laws changed uh, to help um, ex-convicts or people wrongly accused uh, get a better shake in life. So just maintaining it, keep myself busy, uh, enjoying life, enjoying golf, miss the game of basketball, uh, not the sport itself, but in the locker room with the guys, uh, inter- interacting with fans and knocking down winning threes. Hmm. Chris, you know, it's interesting listening to your answer there. Um, Jonesy and I often say this, some of the best conversations we have on or off the air are just about life and and not about X's and O's and not about, you know, the wins and losses from last night or the upcoming game or whatever else. You, you just gave us a lot to unpack there. And, and, and in listening to your answer, what I wanted to ask was what kind of drew you to that, the interest in working with children and working with the community and working with the homeless and prison reform? Like, like what is it in you? And was it there from a young age? Did it come as you were – growing as a young man, as an athlete, to want to give back and to make life better for a lot of people? What what was it that sparked you? Well, one is uh, having, you know, I don't have that story of a single parent or, you know, doing these things on your own. I had both parents in my home. And um, my dad was someone that was all about education. He was a city councilman. Uh, he was personnel director at the hospital. Uh, minorities that would come in from Mexico. He was bilingual. He would help them do the taxes, uh, give them jobs at the hospital. So <clears throat> seeing that and then seeing the environment that I grew up in with uh, police brutality, uh, not saying that all policemen are bad, but they are just bad eggs in life. You know, it's not just policemen, it's just people in general. So seeing that and then having my dad end up going to prison, he's no longer here, uh, God bless his soul, but for something wrongly accused of just because he helped someone 
that uh, was new to uh, uh, the U.S. or California or L.A. And, and helping those people with their taxes, and somehow the accountant didn't file uh, taxes, he ended up going to prison for three years. And, you know, seeing that, it put something in my head that I'm going to help whoever I can get into situations like that uh, later in life. And before he passed in 2013, uh, we had a conversation and he said, he told me just to maintain the course, everything is going to work out, but to continue to give back to the less fortunate. And when you're, I don't care if you're eight or 28 or 48, you remember those things, those things resonate. So I try to continue doing that. Uh, even though I'm not in the limelight playing basketball, but I'm in the limelight of life. And I'll continue to do that. And when Kobe passed, it kind of struck something in me as well to continue doing that stuff because that's the route that he was on. And so I don't ask for it to be out there in the media and stuff because that's not why I do it. I do it because I genuinely care and want to help other people. That's great, Chris. It, it really is. Uh, it it uh, it rings and resonates with me. Uh, one of our great humanitarians, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King, said, "Our our life, our life on this planet is measured by our service to others." And and uh, I I think it's terrific that you've kind of taken that path, and your dad has kind of led you down that path. And um, there's there's lots of there's lots of NBA players, and we've seen it recently, particularly in the bubble and with you know all that happened around George Floyd. It kind of encompasses mm-hmm. all of you, all of what you said. I mean, and by the way, for the folks listening, at my last check, the George Floyd crime bill has still not passed yet and is still <laughs> battling its way through legislation. Um, you said you work with a bunch of guys, Chris, or you golf with a bunch of guys. How? How impactful do you feel that is when uh, it's not just you by yourself, but it's a group of people trying to accomplish this and kind of barnstorming with this and 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 trying to gain momentum with you know uh, helping less fortunate or helping people in just difficult situations. Well, you know, they, I was told a long time ago that the best deals are made on the golf course, and I find that true. But I also believe best relationships are made on the golf course. And when I got here to Jacksonville and saw the community and saw the things that were going on, I couldn't just be stagnant. I'm not from here, but I'm from here now. And so I surround myself with people that are like-minded and think like me, act like me, behave like me, and talk like me. So if you're someone that doesn't feel the need to give back, I understand that. Uh, but I don't want to surround myself with that negativity or not nothing positive coming from that message. So I stray away from those that don't want to give back, and I tend to lean towards the ones that do. And so these are my golf buddies that I play with. And we have ex-military uh, guys, uh, professionals, doctors, and lawyers, and we play every Saturday at a different course. And so I can come to them and say, hey, look, I'm going to cook 150 meals for the homeless uh, this weekend. You guys willing to donate? They, Chris, they, they say, no question, what do you need? I said, whatever God puts on your heart, because anything helps uh, these people. 
And so they'll send me money. I'll go and get all the stuff, and I cook it myself. And I drop it downtown, but I do not leave. I put up tents, and I sit there, and I talk to these people. Because it's easy to just drop it off and let them eat, but then they stay the same person they were yesterday. But if you sit down and have a conversation with these people, you might learn something. Or you might be able to give something back to them that's going to inspire them to be better the next day. And so that's why I do these things. That's why I hang out with uh, like-minded people, because I have to stay the course. Because you never know what you say to a person that might generate something in their brain to make them be better the next day. Hey, Chris. I, I mean, I knew you a little bit in your time in Toronto, um, not as well as perhaps maybe Jonesy did and, and, and some others did. Um, and listen, you tell me flat out if this is a if this is an unfair or wrong assessment. The the impression I always got from you as a member of the media, as a broadcaster as well, you were always good to speak with. You were always willing to talk. You were always thoughtful and insightful. But when you watch games as well, you were the type of guy that because of your style, you played with an edge. You, you sometimes played with a seeming chip on your shoulder. And I'm drawing a correlation even. And again, Jones, you can even tell me if I'm off base here. I, th- I think of a guy like Charles Oakley as well that had that edge, that had that chip, that had that tenacity. How difficult do you think it is for you as an individual, as a player, to separate who the man is, who the player is on the floor, versus who the man is, the person is off the floor? Because I, I've got to imagine, especially in today's day and age, uh, different with social media and, and the ability for guys, if they choose to, to truly put out there, this is who I am, this is what I do. But back in the day, man, some people might just judge you on, that guy's a bad seed or that guy's not a nice guy because he plays like that or he looks like that on the floor, and they know nothing about the actual person you are for the other 23 hours of the day or the other five days of the week when you're not wearing a uniform and not playing with that edge on the floor. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree, and I, I like it that way because I, I can't give my opponent uh, an edge. Um, I play with the passion of uh, whatever team uniform that I put on, that's who I play for. And it comes back from being younger, you know, in elementary school when I was in the fourth grade, but I played with the sixth graders. So I couldn't show weakness on the football field, couldn't show weakness on the basketball field. And then to go from college and not get drafted, go through the CBA, of course I was pissed off. I was very disappointed because I knew that I was better than a lot of the other guys that got the opportunity. But I wouldn't change it for for the world because I wasn't ready as a man. When you get to the NBA, you have to be able to lead men. And when I came out of college, I, I was all about self, so I, I couldn't understand how to lead grown men. And so the five years that I spent in the CBA gave me an opportunity to figure that out. And then going to play for John Lucas in the USBL and getting a tryout with the San Antonio Spurs, that helped me tremendously. So when I got my opportunity, I had all those things in the back of my mind. And I used to wear a T-shirt underneath <laughs> my jersey with, with everybody that got drafted before me. And so every time I played against those guys, I made sure that they knew who I was and that I was going to let them know, congratulations on your success, but you will not have success tonight. And I know fans look at it because I'm always in people's faces or 
but I never start anything. If you just leave me alone, you know how they say, poke the bear. You just leave me alone, let's play. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but once you poke the bear, if you start playing dirty and throwing elbows, and okay, now that other side that you don't know about will come out. And I know, you know, fans, they, I run the fans all the time. I go to New York and do signings, and they sit down and talk to me, and I hold their kids and laugh and have a good time with people, and they're just shocked because they, they've never seen that side of me. But that's why I was telling basketball is what I did. That's not who I am. Yeah. Chris, I remember the story. I remember you telling me that uh, when we went to the golf dome about the shirt you had with everybody's name on it. And and uh, I, I, I never forgot that about, you know, the whole motivation. And, and boy, you make a great point about the leadership, Chris. I, I think about what you just said there. Five years in the CBA. Uh, and, and, and now we've got kids coming out one year removed from their prom out of AAU. And it's, it's tough because you're right. The NBA is still at the, at its height with the best players. It's, it's still a grown man's league, but you moved around a lot, Chris, in your career. Take, take us back to your thoughts when you first got traded to Toronto. Like it was a shock for people. And I had one NBA uh, front office person say, well, would you rather have, uh, Mark Jackson trying to defend for you and nothing against Mark Jackson, or would you rather have Chris Childs? And I just kind of went, okay, I, I see what the thinking is. Because it was it caught people by surprise in February 2001, Chris, when you were traded to Toronto. What were your thoughts initially? Well, I'm glad it wasn't Vancouver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no you'd have liked there too, man. You'd have liked no, there I'm too. Just, I'm just kidding, man. I was in, I've been to Calgary. I was in Saskatoon playing in all these different leagues, so I love Canada. Vancouver people, I'm just kidding. Love you as well. But I, got, I remember it was on, I think the trade, trade deadline was on a Tuesday. And I was in Hackensack, New Jersey. I remember like it was yesterday. I was in Hackensack, New Jersey getting a haircut, getting ready to go out to the city. And we're sitting there talking, and we're looking at the the clock because we know 12 o'clock, I'm still a Nick. I'm in the chair. We're getting ready to leave. 11.59, 30 seconds, my phone rings. I'm like, holy, you know, sugar, honey, iced tea. (laughs) And I pick up the phone to my agent. You've been traded to Toronto. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And so I was disappointed, but I was like, you know what? Hey, you've been here before. Strap, strap them up tight and let's go, let's go to work. And then when I got to Toronto, I was like, I love this city. It's a cleaner New York. People are a lot nicer. Food is fabulous. And I got a chance to see the Lion King in France, which was the craziest thing ever that I've ever seen. I saw it in New York. But just to uh, and then get there and see the team and see Oak again and then always been a fan of Lenny Wilkins. And I think Stan Alback was there still. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Walker D. Russell. And, uh, you know, then playing with, you know, Vince. I'm like, okay, now I, I can help this guy become better and a little more intense. And then Alvin Williams and got Dale, we got Antonio. And Keon Clark, who I wish I would have 
stayed a little closer to because he could have had a fabulous career. Uh, but I was only there um, two years, a year and a half, whatever. Uh, missed that guy because he he could have been a great. But uh, yeah, it's just getting there, man. It was it was it was an easy transition. Um, we had big uh, Montrose. We had uh, Mo P. Uh, I don't want to miss any of the guys. It's just been a long time. But we had. Uh, a great group of guys that had one single goal, and that was to make it to the finals. And uh, we came up short. Um, that shot, you know, missed that shot in Philly, but he was supposed to take the shot. It was his team. And speaking of events, um, I'm at my golf course here in Jacksonville, and I get done. And one of the guys that's a member there, he called and said, Hey, you playing with Vince? I'm like, uh, Vince Young? What Vince are you talking about? He was like, Vince, that's card. I said, Vince is not here or he would have called me. He said, yeah, he's on hole number 12. So I get done. I get in my car. I fly to number 12, and I see him in the field. I pull up. I say, hey, don't you ever come to my city and not give me a call. And he turned around with that Vince smile. He's like, chill. And we embraced <laughs> each other and had a, had a great hug and a great – uh, conversation for a couple of minutes and uh, try to invite him to uh, go to Michael's course. But, you know, now that he has a family and other commitments, we have yet to put that together. But that's the type of camaraderie we had that we don't have to speak to each other every day. But when we see each other, the things that go through your head is the time you spent with that person in the locker room, on the plane, on the bus, in practice, all those things come to light, and all you can do is smile and, and give each other an embrace. Chris, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to struggle with what the question even is in my brain right now because, again, you just brought up some great stuff. Literally, on, on just like just a few hours ago on, on, on Wednesday night, Jonesy and I were talking about Vince because uh, with the Miami Heat in town playing the Raptors, the conversation came up about the greatest Raptor of all time. And many people, including both Jones and I, believe that because of his time in Toronto, because of winning the championship in Toronto and the type of player he developed into and, and leader and everything else, that Kyle Lowry is now considered the greatest Raptor of all time. But it's so hard to not say that it's Vince Carter because of what Vince meant to that team, to the organization, to the community, to the sport, to the country in that moment in time. And what you're talking about with that team as well, um, with that, you know, with the talent that was there, the veteran leadership for a, a squad that had been in the league less than a decade. Like you mentioned jokingly, Vancouver just a couple of minutes ago. One of the points Jonesy and I were making on Wednesday night talking about this is how different it might have been for Vancouver. Ownership was different, yes. Like, and, and, and the stable ownership in Toronto made a big difference versus what happened in Vancouver. The Canadian dollar was brutal at the time. Like, the exchange rate, what absolutely brutal going wow. through a recession. But you had Vince Carter. You had a, a superstar to build around. Vancouver didn't have that. If Vancouver had Vince Carter, chances are Vancouver is still in the league right now. But the squad that the Raptors had, and for a guy like you, not that you necessarily had a choice to not come, but for a, a veteran player, a known player, not just you, but you rhymed off all those names of key dudes that embraced coming to Toronto, or even if they came potentially fighting and screaming that suddenly realized, damn, this is pretty good, not just the city but the team, 
and to be less than a decade into the league and to be legitimately feeling like you, like you had a shot at maybe making it to the championship or winning a title, that doesn't happen ever, or if it does, it's extremely rare in pro sports to have an expansion franchise taste that kind of success that early. Right, and, and I agree with you, but no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, he's a good player, but he's not on the level of Vince Carter. And it's not just the basketball side. It's how what you're saying that you bring in a franchise that hasn't been a, around that long. Vince made people want to come to Toronto. Previously, when Marcus was there, and, uh, Dana Stoudemire was there and all these guys, people were still hesitant to come. But they started they started to come because of Vince, the type of player he was and the excitement and the things he did, he did in the community. And Kyle does a lot of the same things. And that's awesome. And you go, you're always going to have a debate uh, about that. But if I was voting, and, it, yeah, I'm a little biased, but the impact that Vince had on the, the city of Toronto and the NBA in whole made it even more global. Uh, because of the things he can do on the court. Uh, even when, you know, Tracy McGrady was there, he didn't have that impact that Vince had. So you have to look at the things that he done, that he did at that time when there was a brand-new franchise. Um, in, the, in the Vancouver thing, I don't think a lot of people from the States used to go to Vancouver. They would come to Toronto. So it brought that influence of uh, Americans coming over to Toronto, whether it was for Carrie Banner, whether it was for business, whether it was for plays, uh, and just, you know, wanting a better life uh, coming from Detroit and different things like that. So uh, there's certain ways you can impact the team, and I know Kyle uh, winning championship uh, with the Raptors uh, along with uh, Kawhi Leonard and the group they had. But Vince was a different breed of player in person, and he would have my vote. Uh, of, of being the best Raptor ever. Chris, do you think some of the, and I say this, uh, you know, having covered the team from day one uh, and, and been an NBA, NBA guy since, you know, uh, man, I fell in love with the game in, in like the early 70s. Do you think some of the, some of the history of the league and what, players have accomplished not just on the floor but off the floor and you know their sacrifices and 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 giving back and do you think some of that is lost on this this new generation and and if you do how do we get them to understand the connectivity to you know kind of pay it forward i mean we had oak on at 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 some point and he talked about his 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 mobile kitchen and, you know, cooking for the homeless. And, you know, he loves to do that. But just like that whole spirit and the fraternity from old to young, from, you know, guys in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s up to where we are now. Do, do, you, do you think there's a disconnect? And if, and if we if you do, how, how do we mend that gap? Well, I'm, I'm not around it as much as I used to be, but just from the outside looking in and, and talking to a few of the players, I think that NBA needs to do a better job of implementing something where the young and the old get together uh, 
one time or two times during the season just to break bread, uh, just to get some advice, just to – who would, as a young person, and I t- told these kids, that who wouldn't want to sit down and have a conversation with Junior Bridgman, who used to play with the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. that started off buying up McDonald's, and he would – he would go in there and flip burgers and do fries because he wanted to show the young people, if I can't do it, then how can I expect you to do it? And he would be in the kitchen, and now he's worth over $600 million. And it's not always the dollars, not always the financial, but it's the it's the wherewithal to have something after basketball that you can go out there and make these things happen yourself. And so if we did things like that and just hung out with these guys and just get to know them because a lot of these young players have different interests. They're not interested in uh, spending their spare time doing things that I like to do or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Oak likes to do or whatever. Whatever the, the older guys' uh, daily uh, grind is, these young people need to know, and it should be easier now because of social media, you know, of getting likes and followers. I would be out there every day. I would be on the street corner talking to people because that's what I love to do, but I don't do it for the public or the media. I do it because it's my passion, and I don't want the person that I'm talking to feeling like I'm just doing this to be on TV because once you lose their trust, and they don't want to have a conversation with you. So that's why I don't have cameras around. But there's other things to do, uh, a younger player in the NBA, that can bring us a little closer together because we have we have meetings with the Player Association in Vegas and uh, different places, but it's, it's usually the retired players doing their thing or the current players doing their thing. But there's nothing uh, in place for all of us that's ever played the game to get together and sit down and, and break bread with each other. And I think if they did that, it would uh, bring the, uh, more focus on not just the game itself today, but the, like the game, uh, excuse me, like I said, I'm not under the weather, but the game, how the game used to be played and how the game is played now and that we are still one. Now, right now, we're separate. We're we're two individual entities, and we should always only be one entity. And the way we do that is to bring us together to sit down and have a powwow so that we can get to know the, the, uh, the current players and who they are and what they are. Chris, um, I'm, I want to use that maybe as a jumping off point a little bit for the Raptors specifically and and – Although it was a brief time with the team, you will forever be a Raptor. You're part of the history of this team. Um, knowing that, saying that, back in 2019, watching this team go on its run, watching this team win a championship, how did you feel? What, where were you? What, what were your impressions of that squad, which is crazy to me to think at the end of this season that we're in right now, it's already been five years. I mean, you're talking about looking back to – to 2001, 2002 and whatnot, I'm mean, like, man, we're, we're approaching 25 years since then. Next year, it's going to be the 30th anniversary season for the Raptors, but time flies, man. But it's been almost five years since that championship, but knowing that you were a part of the history of this team, how did you feel almost five years ago when you were watching that run? It was, uh, it was an awesome feeling, you know, to be able to 
see that outcome um, and fit like you, you played and had that uniform on, I was just excited. And I knew when Kawhi hit that shot against Philly and it hit the rim and went in, I was like, it's, it's just destiny. They're going to win it. I just I just felt it after he made that shot. And to see the people, you know, I can just, when they were playing, I can visualize me being on the court at that moment and enjoying the energy uh, from the fans. And I'm, I haven't been to a game in a long time, but I can only imagine that the energy was just as high or even more uh, when those guys were out there battling, and they and that's what they did, they 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 just battled. Uh, they were a tough-minded team. They were a defensive-minded team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard brought. Um, he was the perfect guy for that team at that moment, because everybody else on that team wasn't flashy. It was do your job, play your role, and let's let's wherever. It, we finished, that's what we do. But those guys had perfect people to play their role on that team and that's why they're successful. And I was I was I was happy, real happy. I remember I talked to Dale uh Curry and I asked him, I said, Man, how do you feel? He said, Man, I'm numb. I can't believe they did it. You know, same thing with Oak. Uh talked to Boogie, Alvin Williams and you know, he was excited. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Antonio. I talked to Ken Clark. He was excited. So I'm pretty sure everybody that's played, you know, for the Raptors had some type of feeling of, uh, of being a part of that because we weren't on that team, but we were part of the Toronto family. Mm. Chris, you said you haven't been to a game in a while. Um, is there somebody, do you wa- how much do you watch? Is there somebody that uh you like watching the league if you said you know i'm gonna sit down and watch this game because i want to see x player is is there a guy that uh kind of you know makes you want to turn on the tv or 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 pay attention at, at any point it's not one particular guy um i've watched some of the games i haven't been to a game in person but excuse me um it's hard for me to watch a whole game because I see it's just been the old school player of making the right play, making the safe play. A lot of guys just over dribble, and I cannot watch that type of basketball. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just I just can't. Now, are there some very good skill athletic players? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean to shoot the ball like these guys shoot it. You know, but they shoot 35 times and make 12, you know, and the team, they get their numbers, but the team don't win. I love watching Denver because they play the game the right way. They pass and cut. I love watching the world. I even like watching the Raptors. I, I saw that kid, I think his name is Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Yep. I've seen that kid, and this is how you know uh, a kid that wants to be a pro. I've seen him go from maybe 190 pounds to the next year, it's like 220. And now he's probably right around 225, and he looks like a man that's ready to take his game to the next level. Diakam, same thing. I watch these kids change their body, and they, they get their shots easier because they've worked on their skill set. 
each year you got to bring something different to your game or that's why they have scouting reports. So you have to bring something different. You have to change your body. So when I see those two guys transform in a matter of three, four years, I know that they're on the upper trajectory of being a superstar or wanting to be a superstar. So I, you know, I follow, I follow the Raptors. I follow some of the NBA. But if you, if I ever watch a whole game of basketball, the first half my eyes are open. The second half they're closed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, man, it was uh, it was great chatting with you. Great catching up. Um, you know, all the best to you. And, and as Jonesy said off the air, if you're ever up this way, you got to make sure you let us know. Hey, I definitely will, guys. And I appreciate uh, you guys giving me a call. Anytime you need to talk basketball or anything in life, I'm always available. And tell all the fans in Toronto, miss them. And I'll, I'll get there soon. And I'll definitely uh, come when the weather's good. So I can take you guys on the uh, golf course and give you a lesson. <laughs> hey man, I, I got I got the lesson. Uh, I got the lesson that day when we did we did our show with you. I don't know if you remember going to the dome, and it's like, oh okay. I still haven't perfected it. We're all working on it, but uh, that that's done, Chris. If you get here, we're definitely all of us out on the golf course. Sounds good, guys. Have a great day. Man, what a fabulous conversation with Chris Childs there's no denying we could have done the entire show with Chris Childs and 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 I I learned a lot about him that I didn't even know prior to this conversation Jones he was uh fabulous to catch up with him and I, I you know what stood out to me is hey man not not that you didn't ask great questions too and not that he didn't give great answers but when I asked him about just kind of that the the man on the floor versus off the floor he was yeah. that guy that had that chip and that edge but it's great to, to get yet another example of you are not defined by what you are when your uniform is on. As he said, that was my job, but that was not who I was necessarily. There's a difference. And, and I, I, I tell uh, young players that all the time. It's okay for your sports personality to be different from who you are. Uh, when you're on the court uh, and playing hard and you know, being competitive, sure, some of that carries over into life because are the, those are great values to have, being, you know, driven and, um, you know, competitive and, and focused. Those are, those are great things to have. It's the way you do it off the, off the court. Uh, but, you know, there, there's instances, many instances where, and Chris, this is just an example, another example of guys who's... Uh, sports personalities are different from who they are and uh, we got a real window into it there talking to chris all right when we come back we are going to shift our attention um to canada basketball but we're going to talk some raptors as well as former raptor assistant coach and current team canada senior men's national team assistant john goodwillie will join us it's smith and jones Welcome back to Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Thanks again to Chris Childs for joining us to start the show. What a fabulous conversation that was. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or otherwise. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling, Jonesy, as we bring into the conversation former Toronto Raptors assistant coach, longtime member of the Raptors organization, and current assistant coach with the Canadian senior men's national team, John Goodwillie. John, I would imagine things are very different um, for you and and uh, 
you were with the team in Toronto for, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, has it been 15, you were 15 years with the team? I think it was, uh, I think it was 17 seasons, including 17. Uh, that, that first year I interned uh, before I was uh, hired on full-time with the team. Yeah, so so you would have seen, and this is, a, I, I don't know, we, I, I want to touch this quickly with you. You would have seen the end of the Vince Carter era uh, right at the very end, because you were here with Sam then. Um, and there were, the discussions come up, uh, the greatest Raptor of all time. Of course, you you hoisted the trophy with Kyle Lowry. So those are the two guys, the two principals. Um, could you could you ever separate those two guys in Raptor lore saying one is better than the other? I mean, I just felt that without Vince, there might not have been the staying power for the team. And, and without Kyle, maybe there's no championship. Yeah, I think uh, I think I came in just after Vince, maybe the season after he had been traded, and uh, definitely the excitement that he created in the city surrounding the team, um, and obviously the, the the excitement he created around the league um, about the Toronto Raptors was obviously immeasurable. Um, I, they would both go on the Mount Rushmore, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, for me, having worked with Kyle kind of, you know, every day, uh, you know, when, when, when we acquired him, um, he got a locker in the locker room that was right next to where the video connections were when we would have video sessions. So I would always set up right next to him in the locker room when I was the video guy. And, uh, and so, you know, got to know him fairly well and obviously saw a lot of growth, you know professionally and personally through him throughout all the years that he was with the team and um yeah just the 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 impact he made on the city on the franchise uh it's easy for me to separate them because i i spent so you know so much time with kyle i saw kyle play so much basketball and i saw vince play a ton as well but um but but for me i I think my vote goes to kyle john when you when you talk about kyle um especially now when you kind of rewind to where you were in life, literally back then, your age, your experience, everything, to where you are now, your age, your experience as a father, as a husband, etc. Looking back now, how much did you learn from Kyle? Maybe how much did Kyle learn from you and so many others just in terms of the progression and the maturation as a, as a person, let alone as a player or coach, as a – as a as a friend, as a partner, etc. Because he's to me one of the great examples of all the various players that I've covered, that Jonesy and I have covered over the years as broadcasters and whatnot. He might be at the very top of the list of a guy that you just saw a, an absolute change in the dude that first came in versus the guy that left and that's you know still kicking and screaming in in Miami. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I definitely learned a lot from Kyle. I think of all the players I had the pleasure to, to coach and work with. I think his, his basketball IQ was probably as elite as just about any of them. Um, you know, he, he just, he thought the game so well. And so from a basketball perspective alone, I think uh, as a kind of a young up and coming coach, you know, working, you know, with the team and then eventually getting, getting promoted to the coaching staff, um, I got to learn a lot from, from sitting in a lot of coaches' meetings and, and working with a lot of great coaches over the years, but I think I learned just as many lessons from, from, from players and 
certainly Kyle's right at the top of the list. He, he loved to talk hoops. He liked to, he loved to watch hoops. And you could come into practice one day and say, hey, did you see the Chicago game last night? And, you know, he'd probably be like, oh, yeah, you know, he'd be, he'd be um, right into it. So um, I certainly enjoyed talking basketball with him, learning from him as I was uh, becoming a coach in the league. And, and then obviously, as you do age, you, you start to see – uh, changes in people, and and I started to change as well. And certainly, um, you know, our, our our kids ended up being around the same age. I think his kids probably a little bit older, um, and so uh, he definitely definitely um, grew into a great professional, uh, a great person, and a great leader during his time with the Raptors. John, how how do you? How do you watch games now? I mean, you're 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 you've gone from like a hundred to you know uh, you know to forty on the on the on the speed scale. You know you yeah right. you were in it every, you were in it every day, every minute, thinking about how to get stops, how to get buckets, how do we guard this guy? You're watching video. You're on the floor. I mean, I I I, I remember seeing you at one point. And, you know, you, it, it, it was like you were in the training room. You had your knees done and you were, yeah, you know, you were yeah. taped and the whole bit. <laughs> You've gone from all that to basically sitting on your couch with your, with your young son watching the game. How, how, how do you watch it now? Can you ever turn it off in that sense, the way you watch the game? No, I think, I think one of the big differences now is that I've got my finger, my finger on that you know, the previous channel button, you know, the <laughs> ready <laughs> to flip back yeah. to another game. You know, when, if one goes to commercial or halftime or something like that, then I'll flip over to another one. And I think that's kind of how, what I've enjoyed about this is, is, um, you know, before you have to be really locked into studying when you're watching um, and there's a little bit less watching for enjoyment, you still do, but you're always kind of thinking and learning and, um, you know, putting little nuggets in your head for when you're going to play a team down the road. And, and, and now I just kind of like do, do my court surfing thing and I hop around from game to game um, and just kind of see, uh, you know, I love to watch obviously the guys I've, I've worked with in the past. I love to watch the guys, you know, that, that uh, I played for the national team here in the last couple of years that I've had the pleasure to work with. And, um, and I love to. It, it really, it's a little bit easier to cheer for, uh, you know, cheer for the coaches that I've had a good relationship with in the past because there's, uh, there's, there's less at stake for me. Um, and so I, I definitely tune in to, um, you know, to see to see you know the coaches that I've worked with a lot and, and see how they're doing and 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 see if there's any new uh, any new quirks or wrinkles that they're that they're adding in that I can uh, that I can take with me. John, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to guess, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, um, I'm going to guess that as much as you enjoy being at home and playing catch-up time with, with, your, with your wife, with your family, with, with you know, all of the roles in life as dad and husband and, and everything else, it's also about like trying to balance, yeah, I, want, I love the family life and the home life, but I miss the road life, I miss the, 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 the kind of daily grind, and, and it's that internal battle. Um, are you finding time to be able to enjoy having a little bit of a chance to breathe or are you just chomping at the bit to really get back into it on a regular? 
Um, I, I would, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the, the pace of it. Uh, you know, I, nice. Nice. I, I talked to someone the other day who I hadn't talked to in a while. And his first question was, was how's civilian life, you know, um, <laughs> you know, cause you're, you're kind of back into your, your community and your, your home life and everything like that, which, uh, which is really great, which is what I was, uh, starting to really miss, um, you know, towards the end of my time. So, the the competitiveness that uh, that I had in that role and with that team and in that in the league, um, you know that doesn't go away. It doesn't just stop overnight. You know I still like to be a part of um, you know team environments and and still like to be coaching and and I still am doing some um, you know some some counseling and advising and and uh, you know work with some individual players and stuff like that. So. Um, so that's kind of where my coaching focus has gone and, uh, and it allows me to still, still enjoy things at home. And, um, certainly the, the travel, the travel wears over a long period of time. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty intense and they make it as comfortable as possible. And it still doesn't change the fact that you're getting home at two and three o'clock in the morning, a lot of nights. So, um, you know, I, I traveled full time for a good stretch of time. And, um, and, uh, I'm happy I've had those experiences, but I'm definitely happy to, uh, to be having the experiences that I'm having now as well. John, they say you become, um, in a situation like this that you're in and, and other coaches have been there too. They say you become, you grow as a coach, you become a better coach because you're able to, as you said, sit back and root for some of the coaches you've had a good relationship with, have your finger on that you know, the channel button and go, okay, let me watch this. Let me watch that. Let me, you know, let me check this game out because it, it kind of spurs your, your, your curiosity and and being more inquisitive. Do you ever watch a game with the fun element, as you talked about the fan element, but then look at it from a strategic standpoint and go, geez, I wonder why he did that or what, or, or you start matching wits in your living room. Oh, he's got to be thinking this, which is why they did this. Do you find there's that kind of growth as you're as you're sitting there watching and, and kind of monitoring the game still? Yeah, I think the strategic element doesn't shut off for me when I'm watching a game. Um, you know, I'll be out with friends and having a bite to eat or something at a bar and watching a game, and I'll, all of a sudden I'll just kind of like throw my hands in the air out of nowhere because I'm like, why did he? You know why did why did he try to attack that matchup or you know why didn't he kick that ball out um, you know and not for any reason in particular just that that you know I, I like to see players making the right play obviously um, but definitely I watch things and and I'll be same thing I'll be sitting on the couch with my wife watching the game and I'll say why did he do that why did he and she'll be like. You're gonna have to explain more to me what you're talking about because I don't quite <laughs> I don't quite follow so. Um, so, but I, I think I have transitioned a little bit into more enjoying the game as a fan um, in the last couple months, but uh, but still not uh, not to the same element as a lot of people because I, I just I have trouble turning off my um, my basketball brain and, and my strategic uh, strategic look on the game and and you know the way I view the game and I, I think. You know, throughout the years working with the team and working with so many coaches, one of the things I realized is that everybody views the game differently. You know, there's no two people that see it exactly the same way, and so um, you know, sometimes I, I I 
shake my head or throw my hands in the air. But then, I, like you said, Jonesy, I try to figure out why, what was he seeing that would make him um, approach right. things that way or um, what are the, there's always a reason, you know, there's never, you know, you know, there's never no theory behind, behind what happens in, in a game. There's always reasons for them. And so, uh, so I definitely uh, still have that, uh, that approach to, to watching games. John, this, this time that you've had, this 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 extra time to, to to get back to civilian life, as you said, a little bit. Have you had a chance, or, or I mean, listen, if it if it hasn't happened in the last, uh, I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number. If it hasn't happened in the last six months, maybe it happened six years ago when you were right in the heart of it, in the thick of it. Have you had a chance at any point to really truly sit back and reflect and go, man, look where I've come, like look what I've done. Because I, 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 like, I think of your story, and I think it's like outstanding. I think it's an inspiration to so many kids right now, the young kids that that are out there. And I, I mean, I've said it to my son as well. He's a he's he's you know 14. He's a shorter dude. Uh, I don't know if he's ever got a, a playing career ahead of him uh, by any means. But I say to young people all the time, man, whether it's a video coordinator or an assistant coach or a head coach or a player or a trainer or a travel coordinator. I mean, there's so many jobs available and opportunities out there beyond just i want to be a professional athlete and especially now in this generation for canadians as the team the raptors celebrates a 30th anniversary next year this group of kids your kid like everybody that's growing up now coming up at a time where you know jonesy sorry to date you a little bit but it's the same for me too we didn't grow up with a team we didn't have a team in our backyard and and all of these opportunities that exist now and you're one of those guys as a canadian that came up and found a way and made a way and turned into something that's like that's got to be inspiring and and have you had a chance to again reflect on that yeah i think i i i uh, i guess i did maybe lose sight of it at times but i think for the most of the part most of the time i was i was working with the team it wasn't lost on me that you know i i started as an intern and i uh you know kind of had to you know, I was really fortunate to get the internship. Um, and then I was fortunate at the end of it to get hired on full time. And, and I always approached my work as if, you know, I, I, you know, I still got to earn it, you know, every day that I was there. Um, and so I definitely tried not to lose focus on it. I, I do remember specifically when we were flying to San Francisco before game six of the finals. I, it was a long flight. We'd been on a couple long flights there in that series. And um, definitely thinking back to being like, oh my gosh, like we're, we're one game away here. And, and um, you know, I, I started out just, just hoping I would, I would survive the season and survive my internship. And, 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 um, and here we are like, you know, on our way to, to, hopefully go win an NBA championship. Um, and uh, there was a moment on that flight I specifically remember because, uh, you know, it was a long flight and we, you know, we kind of done a lot of our prep work for, for the Warriors, but it was also a, a moment where you kind of can sit back and think of like what that journey was like, because, you know, for a lot of people that worked in the organization for a long time, whether it's, you know, players or coaches or, or, you know, support staff, travel staff, that, that was really, uh, a really, you know, um, ascension to the top of your profession type type of thing. And, and, um, it was great to kind of think back to all the, the years and, and, and work that went into, went into that opportunity there. 
Um, and I think really it's, it's, it's part of what my story is, is something that I want to share with other Canadian coaches. And that's something I'm working on now is, is, um, you know, there's so many more opportunities, I think, um, yeah. to make a living as a professional, to make a living as a, as a basketball coach in Canada. Um, you know, the, with the growing prep school circuit. And I think also, you know, I think the jobs with the U sports teams are, are, are good or are good jobs. And I think that, um, you know, obviously the CEBL has grown a lot here in the last couple of years and, and, and is looking for more growth in the, in the not too distant future. And um, so I think there's a lot more opportunities. I think the, 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 the growth of the popularity of basketball as a, um, for players has grown huge. And I think there's similar opportunity for coaches and, and sport professionals to, um, to be involved in the sport and, and, and make a career out of it going forward. And, and that's something that I'm kind of trying to help people with right now is, um, you know, just, just help share some of the experiences that I've had over the years, help them learn, um, you know, from, from some of the lessons I've learned from uh, working at a pretty high level and working with some pretty elite level coaches. John, you're a great Canadian story, um, and I, I look at you and I, I kind of smile because, uh, you know, I, I ran out of Western Ontario back in the early 80s with a sports, uh, a master's degree in sports psychology and wanted to do that, and like you said, there were no opportunities. People looked at me like I was from another planet wanting to coach basketball in Canada right. and get paid. Like, they right. they laughed, and I, and I look at, at you and... And hearing you reflect, I'm 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 going to set you up for another reflection. Um, we've got an upcoming Canada basketball board meeting, and yeah. uh, a lot of details are being worked out for next summer. And you're going to be on a long flight to uh, you know to uh, to France and to to Euro to Europe before uh, you know before you you try to put an Olympic medal around your neck. I mean, I know. Uh, just before the golf season ended, you and I played golf, and you brought the world championship medal, and I. I, I almost I almost tried to slip it in my bag so you couldn't have it back. But, but you know you're 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 going to try and do that again. And and um, I, I'm wondering what your thought process is like going into that, thinking about hey we're we got a chance to win an Olympic gold medal. And and it's no secret out there. LeBron's already said well we're not going to we're not going to let that happen. And the USA is trying to line up all their big guns. And I mean you're right back into an NBA situation where you're planning for LeBron and Steph and maybe Kevin Durant and all of them, but they're all on the same team this time and not, not one at a time. Have, have you given that much thought and kind of reflected there on the Olympic upcoming Olympic experience? Well, uh, certainly being involved with that team and that tournament will, will go down as one of my great professional experiences. I think it was just, um, you know, it was a great coaching staff to work with. The level of commitment from the players was just unbelievable. Um, you know, they came in every day and and allowed themselves to be coached and allowed themselves to be better. And we did it as an organization. You know, when you go and you play some of these teams from, from Europe, you know, the experience with those players is, is from the coaches and from the guys who are playing in Europe. And they've got to share so much information about player tendencies and, and, and that type of thing. You got to, you got to learn on the fly. I mean, you, you brought up the USA guys, which obviously we have a familiarity with and they're great players, but um, you know, there's great teams throughout FIBA. Uh, when you go through a FIBA tournament, you play, 
you know, great teams, great players. Um, and so certainly it was an unbelievable organizational effort to, to have that level of success, to qualify for the Olympics, to, to bring a medal home. Um, it really was, it really was a special, uh, special experience. And so I think at this point I've, I've kind of more <laughs> reflected upon that and how, how enjoyable that experience it was and um, how special it was to work with that group and, and excited about the possibilities to, to be able to do it again. Um, you know, I think Jordy did a great job coming in and really, you know, I thought when he got hired to replace Nick, I thought, well, that on paper, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's a really good hire. And seeing it in practice, I felt even better about it because he was just, uh, he was so solid day to day. He was so in tune with the players and uh, just continued to roll out, you know, great game plans and, um, and continued to inspire our guys to play their best and, and, and accomplish something that obviously hadn't been accomplished in a long time. Um, and so certainly, you know, it would be interesting to see how, uh, how, how things will, will shape up for this summer. Obviously, there's a lot that uh, has to happen before then. Um, but it's always a special experience to have the opportunity to work with Canada basketball and, and, and with the senior men's national team. Hey, John, last one for me, but it maybe ties in a lot of what we've been talking about, at least the last few minutes here. Uh, when you think about that, that, you know, the run that you guys had, incredible run. I, I mean, for me to be able to just sit back as a fan and watch, I, I loved it because I don't get a chance to do that very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, to, to, to watch that team, and not to take anything away from any other player, there were obviously some fabulous individual performances, let alone how the team came together. But looking at what Shade did specifically – the type of player he has evolved into in his still relatively young NBA career. And to kind of tie that into what we were just talking about with you as a, as a Canadian and coming up and, and a, the example that you are to, to young kids, to have a dude that was playing high school basketball in Hamilton, Ontario, like a decade ago, less than a decade yeah. ago, to yeah. now where he is as a potential MVP candidate in the league. It's been incredible to watch, and, and I've got to assume for you, uh, maybe sometimes hard to sit back as a coach and not just be a fan and go, man, this dude is unreal. There, it, it really is. There's a couple, it seems like there's a couple moments a game and maybe a couple moments of practice where you kind of look at the person you're sitting next to or standing next to or whatever and just go, like, did I see that right? Did, that, <laughs> did he really just do that? Did he really just finish that? You know, like he's he's just grown by leaps and bounds um, throughout his time in the NBA. And, 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 you know, I think feel pretty strongly that there's another level or two or four or five, maybe that he he can, he can get to. Um, He's, he's just um, unbelievably shifty, unbelievably crafty, um, has the confidence to take all the tough shots. Um, He's a great leader. Um, There's, there's really, um, not enough to say to to do justice to the contribution that he made and, and the way he played and and you know like all, all these teams like he's the number one guy on the board to shut down every night when 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 we went to play in that tournament and he he performed in a way uh, night in night out that was uh, you know they you know a lot of these coaches I think were coming with their best game plans to try to take him out 
and uh, and he still had a just a, a fantastic tournament, and um, really hoping for you know more from him. Obviously, I've, I've been watching a ton of Oklahoma City. I, <laughs> I watch him and I watch Lou a lot, and, and obviously to see some of their new young talent and Chet and, uh, and Jalen Williams, and, and they're one of the um, one of the exciting young teams to watch. And he's kind of at the head of that, so I'm I really enjoy watching him play. And I've really enjoyed being around him, and and certainly uh, the tournament he had this summer was 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 unbelievable. John, great catching up with you, man. We appreciate this. Have a great holiday yeah. season, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk and and hopefully see each other before then. But best of luck next summer, and 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 bring home the gold, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time, and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's great to have the chance to catch up. That, again, was Canadian senior men's national team assistant coach John Goodwillie. And as we talked about, Jonesy, almost 20 years with the Raptors, longtime assistant coach, former video coordinator. And uh, it was it was great to see his rise. And I, I have no doubt that he's going to be in, in the coaching ranks, uh, whether it be NBA, national team, both otherwise, for a long time because he's just one of those guys that uh, lives and breathes the game. Yeah, I, and I think he's got a great story too, Eric, and that the Canadian angle, there's – there's lots of coaching opportunities opening up in Canada, and he's he's a true success story. And I think that, um, you know, him being able to, uh, you know, talk to young coaches and, and give them, like I said, a little window into what's going on or how you do it or what the what the path is to advancement is is really, really invaluable. So uh, good luck to John. And, and it's always great, you know, to watch, like I said, a Canadian success story, probably little known by a lot of people, but. Uh, he, he really did a great job in, in helping out the Raptors and eventually ending up with a championship. Folks, I'll remind you again, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or otherwise. Download, subscribe, rate, and review fresh content every Thursday right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, thanks again to Chris Childs and John Goodwillie for our producers, Mark Boffo and Austin Mackey. Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of Smith & Jones.